You are blood of my blood. Your flesh of my flesh, yeah. And as long as I'm able, I'm gonna think about your well-being. Thank you, Grandfather. Yeah. You have thrown me back from purgatory. I wish you had been a son. You are a true preachy. Hey, you like to have a cookie, huh? It is I who must offer you a gift, Grandfather. A gesture of my gratitude. I have always enjoyed gifts. Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, Bartek. Blood of my blood, flesh of my flesh. How are you doing? Good skin. I'm Bartek. Oh, wait, you're Ryan. I forgot you introduced me, you'd introduce yourself, so I forgot who I had to introduce. You're the man now, dog. So, Bartek, we're Polish podcast in the top ten Polish podcasts. Is it because we have Polish in the name of our podcast? No, it's because you also, and I also, have Polish names, and we put them in the episode descriptions. So, the Polish algorithm picks that up, and so we're in the top ten Polish podcasts. I... I need to email those folks back that said that we were in that list and ask them why we aren't number one. Yeah, why after all these years. <laughs> every, every year I ask that to myself. Is it because you no longer give us the Polish titles to movies? Question, on this podcast where we talk about movies and you recommend one, I recommend one, and then the listening people recommend them, do you miss bringing us the Polish title to films? Do you miss that? A little bit. I mean, I remember back on Unappreciated Masterpieces when we did that, uh, it usually brought up some laughs. Like, Not always, but, you know, we, we've on. got ones that we love. S- like, Say the one that makes me laugh a lot. <laughs> Ryan really likes the Polish title to Duplex, uh, which is a film whose title in the West is just Duplex. Um, but the Polish title translates to Old Lady Must Disappear. Is- Stara Pani Musi Zniknąć. <laughs> it's specifically that little last bit of it. <laughs> And plus, you sometimes like to say, oh, ubi grubi kwanzaa. <laughs> that was Big Fat Liar, right? Yeah. Duże grubi kwanzuch, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ubi grubi kwanzaa. <laughs> so we're spin Polish icon because we're always spitting and we're both Polish. And we talk about those movies that we recommend. And sometimes you, the listening people, recommend. In fact, this is a listening person's recommendation. My parents who only listen to episodes they recommend. So this is the second episode they're listening to. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes they listen to ones that are like movies they already like, such as Soldier. I recommended Soldier, and they listened to that one. Yeah, and and Alien Invader, whatever that was called. Yeah, and so... Intruder, sorry. Mum, Dad, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and supporting my hobby and ambitions by giving me the occasional listen. Thanks. It makes me feel big. And tall and and proud, which is a sin, by the way. I learned that from growing up Catholic, but not really. I wasn't the best Catholic. My parents didn't really care all that much uh, <laughs> about doing all the Catholic traditions and pomposity or going to church and so on and so forth. Unlike you, Bartek, you're a good Polish Catholic boy. Mm-hmm. Any fun Polish Catholic stories for you? Do do you have any communion stories? Communion stories? Um, there was the one time I went and got bread. Yeah, but, like, was there any specific, you know, incidents, like, leading up to it, doing the whole thing afterwards? Do you, uh, have, was, a, do you there, have a communion name? There was one time when I was getting communion, and I, you know, usually when you get communion, guys, this is a little insider thing for you guys, you don't have to drink the wine. Mm. Usually it's just the bread and the wine's optional, but there was this one time where I got the wine, um, and usually whenever I had the choice, I, I use past tense because obviously I don't go to that much to mass anymore um usually i would take the wine if it was offered to me um but there was this one time where i took it and i had a really big headache for the rest of the night wow you got drunk i don't know if i got you, drunk you got but i got hungover. a big headache from the little sip of wine i had wow um, it was just one time did, wasn't did my you first ever, have, wasn't you, my last. have you ever made the mistake of uh you know doing the father son holy spirit the wrong way like the the wrong side I, I did that once when I was at church, where it's like, you know, you, you touch your forehead and you turn. And then, and then left, know, right. Left, right, but I accidentally did the right, left, and I got told off for that. 
Maybe when I was really young, but it was, you know, I went to Catholic schooling. <gasps> who cares, so. honestly? Like, like, who cares which direction? The Catholic Church does, apparently. Jesus does. G- g- yeah. Jesus is like, you, sh- you should be meek, you should be lovable and loving, and you better go left to right or else that's I how they will nail- get you. That's how they nailed me, and I don't want you to forget what I gave up for <laughs> No, that's, that's how they find out that you're not a real Catholic. It's like, oh, what are you doing here? Yeah, there's a whole stand-up special by the comedian John John Mulaney where he talks about how he got found out for being a fucking lying Catholic because mm. he went to some service or whatever and they were doing a whole bunch of things and and he he gave out a call in response to one of the things but it was like from you showed yeah you showed me from this, back in the day you showed me this video and I had like the exact same experience because you know most of the masses I went to was me. In school, where we'd have like a you know middle of school mass for mm. the big occasions, um, so I was familiar with masses from that. I wasn't really a Sunday goer, but then after I finished school, obviously there weren't as many masses in the past dozen years. But whenever I would go to one, they'd have like the different words, like it's no longer and also with you, it's and with your spirit. <laughs> and there are other ones where you have to like and you know give response you. you have to give responses to like the priest that are usually really long and they like change every single sentence all right it's like i still remember the old words but whenever i hear the new ones it's like i i can't keep up with this, this- here's the sad fact your brand of catholicism that that brand redundant outdated you're a fool and that's why we're here to talk about a movie my parents recommended called <laughs> Pritzi's Honor from uh, John Huston, legendary director John Huston, one of his final films. He directed so, so many big hitters, uh, The Maltese Falcon, if you've ever watched that with Humphrey Bogart. I had a look at his filmography. He, uh, yeah, and he's all, he was also an actor. He, he, you know, he, he and Jack Nicholson worked together in Chinatown, actually, so that's a, a fun little piece of information as actors. And uh, this has Jack Nicholson as one of the leading roles, Kathleen Turner. You've got Angelica Houston, the daughter of John Houston. And this is her Academy Award winning role. She won an Academy Award for this. And there's a whole plethora of faces we've seen before on this podcast. And as general moviegoers, Stanley Tucci starred in this. This is his film debut. I tried to keep an eye out for him. I couldn't tell you who he was. He's listed as soldier. I don't know if that means like a literal military soldier or a foot soldier of the mafia. I didn't notice any military soldiers, but maybe I wasn't keeping a close enough eye out at that wedding. He wasn't as noticeable here as he was in the core. No, in the core he had a great wig. So I could never forget. And he had uh, arguably dime nipples or nickel. Well, that, that's nipples. more meta, yeah. That, no, that that was that was in that was in the core. Every character said, "What size nipples does Stanley Tucci have?" <laughs> that was in our episode, which I think is still one of our longest episodes. <laughs> Let's make this one longer. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we could. Bartek, Bartek, just power out is not as easy to make. Bartek, long. we could keep talking about being Catholics for another forty-five minutes. We I could, could extend this out. We could. Uh, so everyone, if you have not watched Pritzi's Honor, Bartek, how would you describe this film to somebody if you wanted them to watch it? Um, that's a good question. So I would say that this is a, uh, a mob movie, uh, starring Jack Nicholson, uh, in which he falls in love with a mysterious woman who he meets at a wedding um, and as as he gets to know her, she, he realizes, you know, that she's not as normal as she seems, and it leads them down to some relationship troubles. That's how I would describe it. The pitch is our gangster, the best gangster in the world, who's in, you know loyal to the family, meets his femme fatale that makes him question the loyalty to the family. Will he choose love or will he choose loyalty? And there's some comedy along the way. This mm. is a comedy film, so they say, in the trivia and in the genre, and I have some thoughts on that because it's not this, laugh yeah. out loud funny every moment, but there is a definite streak of comedy throughout the entire it's like, movie. The description that I gave is accurate, but in terms of like selling it to someone, I don't really know what to emphasize. Yeah. Everybody, go watch it. We're going to talk about it in depth. Spoilers. We're going to go through the beats, the motions, everything happening. Bartek, I 
I imagine, as I say this so often, so frequently, and I don't mean to diminish your viewership as as somebody who enjoys Ryan, movies. Ryan, let's but... just say that this is the first John Huston film I've seen. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Really? Wow. Do you want to hand in your card and walk out of this podcast? Your film goer well, We're not going to beat the core at this rate, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we will if you take 45 minutes to hand in your card, sign the contracts, you know, all of that. We should take cues from our The Covenant episode where we just talked about 99 Luft balloons for a really long time before starting the movie talk. Ah, so first John Huston. So no familiarity with this feature at all? Nothing? No, I had not heard of this film until you recommended it. Even then, I had to, you know, check the episode description of last week to know what it was. Did you have any inklings before going in what you were going to sit down and watch? Um, I think just my usual thing of like when I'm looking it up, I might get like a one sentence description. I think it was something along the lines of, you know, man and woman fall in love and realize that they are the hit men for each other or something like that. Yeah. It says on IMDb that two assassins fall in love. That's the description. Yeah. That's a bit more accurate. And, uh, well, I am deeply familiar with John Huston movies, so I do have a history with the filmmaker, but this is one of the films that I do not recollect seeing until this moment. We owned this on videotape in my household. It was often talked about, often referenced, but rarely watched. It was one of those, and my parents may have disagreements about this, but there are certain films and albums and actors and so on and so forth, that my parents grew up with, my parents consumed, my parents enjoyed deeply, and they had copies of these things in the house, but they didn't necessarily watch them that much when I was around. Maybe because I was too young to enjoy them, so you can't watch Pritzi's Honor Honor with a a seven-year-old kid. And so eventually you just don't watch it after a while, but you still, they still, like my parents still have fond memories of having watched this a million times over. And, but it's not the same for me, but I don't think I've watched this movie before. Nothing came to my mind. I remember the cover. I know the actors. I know that William Hickey's in the movie and I love William Hickey. And I've been told my entire life how great he is and lines of dialogue and who he was in it. So I had a a history and a hype with it without actually having seen it myself. Mm -hmm. So this was the first time viewing for me. I knew it was a mafia movie. I knew it was a love story. Uh, I I love Kathleen Turner as an actress. I just recently watched uh, Romancing the Stone again, which is uh, Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner together. And that's a great film. Danny DeVito's in that too. And uh, he's so great. He's a sleazy piece of shit. So what you're saying is this one was a long time coming. It was a long time coming. So many actors and a director that I loved to bits. And uh, I was getting a little frustrated because my parents have been riding my ass about watching this over the last year or so. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get around to it without actually ever getting around to it. And then they bought me a DVD copy and I'm like, eh, hey, you gotta watch it. I was like, yeah, 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 I'm busy. Uh, I'll do it on the podcast. No, Not now, mom. Uh, no, but yeah, and they're like, do it on the podcast. Do it on the podcast. Like, oh, you want me to do it on the podcast? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm on break right now from the podcast. We'll do it when you're coming back. I'm like, okay. And then when we're starting the podcast, they're like, why haven't you watched it yet? I'm like, the podcast hasn't started back up. And they go, you don't need to watch it for the podcast. Just watch the movie. I'm like, well, you want me to, you don't want me to watch it then. You don't want it to be listening to people's recommendation first up. And they're like, no, 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 just watch it. I'm like, fine then. And then they're like, well, you're not going to do it on the podcast. Like, next time I talk to them, like, you're not doing it on the podcast. You're going to so, do it with Bartek. I want to hear what Bartek has to think about this. Do you, so, guys, Do you think they really enjoyed us just talking about Catholicism for a little while then? They, instead of they, getting they started? Pressed, they pressed the skip 10 seconds button multiple times. <laughs> and back, well, there's a Catholic wedding in this movie. So, uh, yeah. It's, it, it, it relates, guys. It relates our chatter. Uh, so, then I have the DVD. Mm hmm. Which morph menus? No, <laughs> if only, if only. Very bad DVD quality. Ooh, very, very bad. Possibly one of the worst. So it's probably the, the YouTube upload. The DVD, the DVD was in the wrong aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. So not only was it in um, four by three, right, which doesn't work on my flat screen TV, and nor is the movie in that aspect ratio. 
the whole thing was in that. So the menu was in that. The piracy warning thing was in that. And then when I start the movie, it's in that, but the movie itself is still like the 16 by 9. So on my TV, it's the square. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's a square. 4 by 3 is the square, yeah. And then when it's now the movie, the square is no longer a square, but a tiny little rectangle inside the square. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then there's a big blue stripe on the side. And it's a clearly like a VHS, like videotape rip of this movie mm-hmm. on a DVD, and I just couldn't watch it. So that really bummed me out because then I had to download a copy, I had to find a copy, and I've just had to watch this uh, a couple, uh, like two nights ago, because I had something on last night, and we had to shift our times around. So I had to watch it on a work night where I'd work the next day, and you, you make dinner, all this stuff, and. Ah, uh, sit down at eight o'clock. I'm going to watch this movie that's just over two hours long. And then uh, I have to now fuck around for like 20 minutes to get a copy of it. And it's just such a pain in the ass. So then I eventually got around to watching it. So I've had a really long journey. Yeah, it sounds like it. My, let, let's say a 30-year journey almost to watch this movie because i that's nearly how old I am. You will be 30 later this year? By swimming rules, I'm 30 now. Do you know what I mean by that? Swimming rules. This annoys Rachel, my wife, ever so much. I can't work it out in my head what that means. When you go to a swimming carnival when you're at school. Okay. Oh, you have Mm -hmm. to be what age you are at the end of the year? Yes. So they say, if you're 15 years old, you're in this swimming relay. But it's like, say for my wife, Rachel, she turns whatever, you you know, she turns her age in late December. You have your swimming carnival in like March. And you're having to swim with people who, especially when you're in your teens and your puberty, people who are basically a year older than you yeah. in puberty. And it's like- f- Oh, yeah. I just turned my age like three or four months ago. Yeah. But right? it's, yeah, your age like- six, and, and Imagine that with radio. boys, especially when you're doing something like that, where it's like, say you're in year eight, you have a boy who basically has like- grown to be like six foot tall broad whatever and there's this guy who's like oh, i've got another year till that happens <laughs> swimming rules yeah. where it's like no matter what you are 15 no matter when it was okay you know if you told me this a week ago i would have been i would have had to ask you for the explanation but literally a few days ago there was a pa announcement at a school that i went to where they were explaining that concept for kids that didn't understand <laughs> so i'm like oh okay I guess that's how it works here, but no, it's a general thing, I guess. Rachel despises whenever I bring up swimming rules. Like, I use it, like, she, this is how it works. Because she's a December baby? Mm-hmm. I'm a September baby, but, I'm, you know. I'm May. So you're fine. Uh, well, I didn't roundabout, like Roundabout much. way of saying, oh, I, I never went to swimming carnivals after a while because I would rather just swim for fun rather than competition. And my parents, who, by the way, you're still listening, guys, I right? was about to say, yeah. Would let me stay home from swimming carnivals. Uh, well, there was one time where the staff from the school phoned up because I wasn't at the swimming carnival, and my dad was out, went to town, so it was just me at home. Mm-hmm. I answered the phone. The staff woman was like, oh, Ryan, you're supposed to be at the swimming carnival. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't need to go. My, my parents don't really care if I'm not there. They're, they're totally whatever. And they're like, well, you're, you're supposed to be there. There's supposed to be like a, a note or something. Um, so I, where's your, is any of your parents home? I'm like, no, no, they're, they're out right now. And then this woman stressed in a tone of voice, just stressed tone of voice said, well, Okay. She had to be in teacher mode. Could you, she, no, she was just a staff member. She wasn't like a oh, okay. teacher. She was just like an office lady. Right. She goes, well, okay, could you then tell your parents that I called to let them know that you weren't at the swimming carnival and uh, I just need them to know that I was reaching them? And I'm like, Sure. And I hung up and I'm like, if I was a dishonest child, this would mean nothing. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's uh, I was such really, high level of trust. I was really hoping you were going to say, and now my parents know because they're listening to this. Guys, guys, <laughs> it's been over a decade or so. It's been like 15 years. You know now. Uh, what did you think of this? Uh, oh, you're, sorry, the movie. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> what did you think of my swimming carnival story? <laughs> yeah, you're very honest, Ryan. <laughs> I'm very honest. Yeah. I didn't like the swimming, but I like just sitting on the side, just talking to friends. That was always fun. See, I didn't like that because we 
had to wear swimming clothes and it was usually cold when you're just sitting there because we're like... Oh, they didn't let you just wear like normal clothes when you're not swimming? No, no, you had to wear swimming clothes. Oh, that would suck. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I came from, you know, my school was good though. They let me like wear a shirt or whatever. Like I, I don't... You know, when I swim, I usually have a shirt and shorts on anyway. I don't, that's just how I roll. But like some guys I know would be in this fucking speedos. I'm like, I can't be doing this. But what did you think of uh, the film Pretty's Honor? Um, yeah, I, I liked it. Um, you know, as I was watching it, enjoying it, it was a good story. But uh, similar to, I guess, what you were alluding to when I was reading up about it afterwards and how it's a black comedy, that that gave me a few thoughts. Where I was like, oh, okay, I didn't really. I didn't really feel like this was a black comedy, but maybe if I watch it again, like, that'll be a bit more clear. Who doesn't catch the baby? <laughs> like, there were little moments like that where, you know, the, who, who doesn't catch the baby or the, like, well, if you take in the total amount of deaths, it doesn't seem like much. Like, little lines here and there, little moments here and there, everything about William Hickey, but, yeah, <laughs> felt more comedy than black comedy in those moments. There are certain characters that are also just very comedic, like uh, Jack Nicholson's dad. Mm. He's very funny. He has a lot of funny expressions on his face, these big rictus grins. <laughs> and it's nothing personal, big grin. Uh, she should have been smarter, even though it was like one of his plans that like he, he was really, there. He really planning. liked her. And he really liked her and he really liked that band. plan. Yeah. He's just an asshole. But uh, so you liked it. Okay. If you didn't read any of that, if you didn't read the it's a black comedy, blah, blah, well, blah. Well, before I watched the film, I didn't know. Yeah, what I'm saying is uh, yeah. you watched it, mm-hmm. then you read about that, right? Yes. If you just watched this and didn't read and get told, like, this is a black comedy, would you be talking more positively or more favorably, or would you have far more of a warmth towards this? Oh, I, I don't think it affected my enjoyment at all. It, it's just, you know, something to think about. Um, like similar to before when you were asking me, like, what would be your pitch for this film? And I kind of struggled. It was like, okay, I don't really know what the main thing of this film is. It was, you know, a mob film. I haven't seen a mob film in a while, so I really enjoyed that. Um, it had little moments of lightness here, like comedy that was really good. Um, but I, I don't know that it was, you know, super standout, like, oh, you have to see this. It has all this, this, and this. It was just an enjoyable ride for me. Yeah, yeah, enjoyable ride for you. Yeah, and plus I enjoy a bit of tragedy, so this film certainly goes for some tragedy towards the end. Very much. Yeah, but yeah. Very much. Uh, yeah, I I thought this was uh, a movie that found its footing as it went along. It reminds me of a television show in that fashion where the first season or two of a TV show is finding its groove, finding its way, and then it hits its stride. And I felt very much like that with this feature film, where I really didn't care about the first act of this, maybe the first half of the film. Mm. Uh, I didn't really believe or care or feel any of the romance that it was putting forward with Kathleen Turner and uh, Jack Nicholson. I adore these two actors and I was hoping for more instantaneous chemistry or at least comedic banter between them. But in the first half, maybe just third, every scene of theirs was two seconds long, it feels like, and they had to cut away to something else or oh, somebody has cut away to something else. And their whirlwind romance is by design because he doesn't really know her, but I, I actually would have liked more scenes of them together. These are two very talented actors, two actors who have that uh, devil-may-care attitudes as performers and seemingly as people. Uh, Jack Nicholson's the type of guy who smokes big, fat cigars and has a quip, and I can imagine Kathleen Turner smoking big, fat cigars and having a quip. And so I, I was wanting more of that, And I didn't really know what the point was of the plot until we finally get into it with William Hickey. Once he has that scene with Kathleen Turner where he grabs her hand and just says to her, give me back my money or I'm going to kill you. He says in roundabout mafioso terms. And that was the problem having to be solved and Jack Nicholson having to find his allegiances is it marriage is it love is it the family is it the business is it power is it being a a good person 
that's where it really kicked into gear for me. And I, I wish that was more present in the earlier sections of this. I also didn't find it particularly funny until they did the, the I guess, the kidnapping. Once we did get that, where they were planning it out, and Kathleen Turner and, and, and Jack Nicholson and his dad, that was really where I got into this, the comedy groove of those characters. Like I said, there are other ones who are overtly comedy characters like or overtly humorous, like the Don. He's very funny. And so you don't have to take too long to get his sense of humor that the movie's putting down. But Jack Nicholson, you've seen him a lot in a lot of things, even in dramas like One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. You don't have to take too long to understand the type of comedy his character brings mm. to a movie. Like, he's very funny in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah, you very. don't have to take too long to understand that. And same with uh, a movie that came out rel- relatively recent to when this one was made of... Um, uh, which is of Eastwick. Yep. He's very humorous in that, but he's also the devil, and he also has instant chemistry with three women at the same time. So, uh, even something as, you know, people might call it like bottom tier comedy, but like uh, anger management with Adam Sandler, like he brings something to that film. I was saying Mars Attacks, the Tim Burton movie as well, where he plays the president of the United States and uh, a dual role where he also plays like a, a Las Vegas real estate, like, to mogul guy with a wig and you don't have to take too long to get that but uh here slow boil but where it ends up i found very good i love the final shot i thought that really once we got to that and angelica houston's character and when you sit back and think about how everything played out because of her uh i i really wanted to rewatch the movie to see those pieces fall into place a little bit more. So uh tell us a bit more about your viewing of this. Um yeah, you mentioned before how in the first half a lot of their scenes were like really short. You said two seconds long. Uh my mind always goes back to like the like dialogue segments where uh Jack Nicholson will just go on like a really long tangent about like a specific thing like when he was talking about how you know she said i'm in love with you and then he goes into this whole like two minute speech about how in love is like a temporary thing mm-hmm. and like i'm not happy to hear that i you should say that you're you love me or something like that and there was another point where what was it it was like he was in bed talking about like scientists have studied this specific thing it, it's true or something like that mm-hmm yeah, there were all these like dialogue moments between them where it it felt very, I guess, maybe I don't know what the word is here, but it it had a very old fashioned feel to it. Um, we we talk about like the romantic chemistry between them. It definitely felt like something from an older film. Uh, you know, he he sees someone at the wedding, falls instantly in love after all, like few interactions uh goes on this whole basically self mission to discover who she is um and you have to b- buy into that like well what is what is this character think he's getting out of this um mm-hmm. how's he gonna find her where's it gonna end up um and they end up falling in love and saying i love you like you know within three meetings i think it was yeah yeah so it's it's a lot to buy into and like you said seeing the the point of this film like okay they've got their relationship going where is it going and yeah it, it's something where you're along for the ride and you're trying to work out who these two characters are um and it feels like it's throwing a lot of elements at you especially when you know he goes to kill that guy and it's like oh she he's her husband that mm-hmm. went missing yeah right. so it's 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 throwing all these twists and turns at you and i was curious to see where it was all going I I understand exactly what you're saying. I maybe also went in thinking that this was a comedy more so. I, I, I was told this is a comedy and it's very, very funny and I got all these funny lines. So I was thinking about it being more like romancing the stone or even like Oscar to a degree where there's a lot of gags and this this premise is still there, but there's more humor to it. There's a great Danny DeVito film uh that he made which was uh, didn't he make duplex he did yeah and matilda did you ever watch matilda no but you've told me a lot about it 
Wow. Well, here's a film called War of the Roses, which is Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. And it's their- Is uh, that a French thing? <laughs> yes, there's also a War of the Roses, but this is about a, a couple called the Roses and they're divorcing oh. and they're falling apart and they have a war with one another. And you see them falling in love, marrying, and trying to divorce all within the span of like 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you believe it. Uh, and I didn't believe it as strongly here, but- I think you can still do this premise the way you are here. Just maybe on a different viewing, I will connect with them more. But once I got into the the comedy side of their relationship of, he hired you to whack me? Well, he didn't know I was your wife. That there is what I was wanting the movie to be. But that's in the last 20 minutes. Mm. And so I was hungry for that. Now, to give some praise to things, uh, I, of course, love William Hickey. Can we just go over a bit on this podcast? I've had an infatuation with William Hickey. Yes. And you've always looked at me with this doe-eyed stare of, okay. Because you also, a bit like Stephen Root, the actor, you always forget William Hickey. And then I bring him up and I'm like, William Hickey's great. I love William Hickey. He's the one, yeah, you had to remind me of who he was. Because the first time we saw him, and I guess... Major Pain. Yeah, Major Pain might have been the first time I really was conscious of him. He was like a side character that would occasionally pop up. So whenever I thought back on the film, I'd think back on, okay, you know, all the, the... Who's the lead actor of that? Uh, what, Damon Wayans? Damon Wayans, all like the Damon Wayans moments, like the moments with the kids. And then I'd you'd remind me like, oh, he was the the headmaster who was obsessed with the bugs. I'm like, oh, that was that movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as we saw him in a few other things, especially, you know, we did Mouse Hunt not too long ago mm-hmm. where- Like that was his a, last movie. That was his last movie, yeah. Where like there was a big running gag about his portrait that was really memorable. So seeing him in this, it's like, oh, it's the portrait guy. And he was in- yeah, what was the My other Blue thing? Heaven. My Blue Heaven, right. The gangster comedy movie where he was the former mafioso mob guy who went into witness protection as well. And you find out that in My Blue Heaven, he lives in a town of mobsters in witness protection. Yeah, and yeah. he's like the pet store owner who has the who has the parrot. And uh, Steve Martin's character is all, I knew a guy who had a parrot. He would, he would say, blah, blah, blah. It's like, does, does this one say Polly wants a cracker? And then... William Hickey with that voice comes in being like, he doesn't say Polly wants a cracker. And then it's like, hey, you. And he becomes like a running character in that movie. I always think of him for that. I I love him in that Mm. movie. And you always gave me this look of, okay. Right. Cool. Yeah. Right. William Hickey. Okay. You seem to really enjoy this guy. I I mean, I enjoy, like, this is how I interpret it. I enjoy him well enough, but, uh, okay, Ryan. You really he's love him. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's, he could lift his weight. And uh, and in Mouse Hunt, you were far more favorable towards him because of he had this lingering presence without being in the movie. I guess he, his character literally opens up with a like it's a quote of his character. Yeah. And so <laughs> a world without string is chaos. And so and we also talked about how that was his last movie and how he was literally dying making it. And you could see that, but it added to the movie in that way. So I am. I guess they need a like pin like spotlight on him, not making minor character. I am <laughs> keen as a bean to hear about what you think of this Oscar-nominated performance by William Hickey. I think I think in this film he really nailed the fusion of a mob boss and a goblin. <laughs> He's like a creature. Yes. I was thinking like a mob boss and a gremlin. No, a goblin. He's a goblin, a... specifically. Would you say he went full goblin mode? <laughs> Ooh, he'd need a bit more makeup, but pretty much vocally he was full goblin mode. It's funny because he's in old man makeup in this, but he always looked old. Mm. And in oh, l- he looks older in this than he did in um, Mouse Hunt. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, in less than a decade in Mouse Hunt, he looks almost exactly like this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, tell us a bit more about this performance. This is often one of the performances that the movie is remembered for. The Don. I can see that for sure. Um, yeah, there was just so much going on with this character. I mean, physically. 
he is the standout of the film because he's the oldest character by far. Um, he's, he's got the short slouch going on. He's got always people helping him move around. Like when we first, every movement is deliberate. Yeah. Not that when you first see him, but when, uh, he's going up on stage for the first time to say something like he gets up there, he's smoking and then he just like whispers to Mm -hmm. someone else to speak on his behalf and then leaves. Yeah, there's, like you said, everything's deliberate there, and he's got this kind of uh, holy aura about him because, you know, he's a mob boss, and mobs are all about family. It's an Ita- a Sicilian, not Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, and then whenever you have, like, the private moments where, like, you know, someone visits him, whether it's Kathleen Turner or one of his children or our main character or our male lead, rather, yeah, the way that he speaks is very affectionate, but it's always, you know, after the scene's done, the characters are wondering, like, okay, well, what was the real meaning of this scene? And sometimes... Have he, another cookie or whatever. That was a great scene. <laughs> he talks with that really recognisable, gruff, gravelly voice. And I would always bring that up to you. It's like, oh, come on, don't you remember William Hickey? He talks like this. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. You gotta admit, now you're never gonna forget the voice after after this movie, right? <laughs> the line blood of my blood, flesh of my flesh. <laughs> Just every word is so dripping in decadent old age. Like he is is he's almost like a corpse talking to you. Mm. And that's how he sounds pretty much in every movie. <laughs> he just had that voice. I can't do it. Like, I can't replicate it. That's the best I can give I'd you. I need to hear it one more time just to really get it back in my head. <laughs> but it's a, it's a memorable voice. It is. Yeah, Goblin. Did you have a, a, a favourite sequence or scene with him? Uh, I mean, God, can I pick one? The cookie one was pretty great when he was with um, Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston. Was, what's her character's name? May. Yeah, it's something. It's his granddaughter. Yeah. Um, yeah, where he's with her. Um, there's the scene near the end where he's found out that one of his children are dead, and like, there's only like a slight sense of grief in him after a whole movie of you know family, blood of my blood. It's, yeah, it's definitely a captivating part of the film. Like, definitely unambiguously, that's a great aspect of this film that I loved. <laughs> May Rose. That's it. Uh, like May West? No, that's an actress. That's an actress. Uh, I love him because he's the most dangerous character because he does put on all of these different faces, all of these different modes. He really plays up his frailty at times, and then there are other times where you can tell it's a bit of an act that he's doing. And he is this imposing figure. And what I I really, really love about what William Hickey does here is he's a goblin, he's a creature, he's a funny character, but he can turn that comedy and make it the subtext while, like, he can make the comedy the subtext and dramatic scene, and he can make his drama the gravitas the serious intimidating threat the subtext in what is a comedic beat in his line deliveries when he talks to kathleen turner that was my favorite scene in the movie by the way Mm. he grabs her hand and he's stroking it and patting it and just going over like he seems like this doddering old man who doesn't have any clue what's happening it's like a nice outdoor scene he's sitting in the big chair and he just is that voice, but he's playing up like this doddering old sweetheart who's happy to have you. I don't care if you're a Polak. All of that. And then just, no, I'm fully aware. You owe me. And the way he brings that, you you see this often used in, in mafia things, whether it is real or not, that threat, but it's delivered with this wholesome smile to it. Mm. He does that marvelously, where he he adds that you owe us a fifty percent. It's like that scene near the end, like near the end of Godfather Two, where the one the I think it was Robert Duvall's telling that other guy, like, mm-hmm. "Hey, look, you you're gonna have to kill yourself." That's and, a great scene. Yeah, just like very plainly, just like how the Romans used to do. I I think of it as uh, in Goodfellas when uh, Robert De Niro phones up to find out what happened to Joe Pesci, and they're like, "I'm sorry, he's gone." What do you what? Yeah, we're, sorry, we we lost him. Like they just said, like <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just gone. We did our, we did everything we could. 
He's just gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's like moments of bluntness in these things, like especially in that final William Hickey scene where they're telling Robert, I almost said De Niro, uh, Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson <laughs> I was thinking of Goodfellas. They were telling Jack Nicholson, like, you, you have to kill your wife because they were emphasizing family so much throughout the film and they were putting on, like, you know, these nice airs about them talking around things. I was like, well, let, he's going to convince them and they're going to take his side, right? Or at least make it sound more like they're trying to, but like, they were, no, they were very, blunt, like, I'm sorry, you have to do this thing. And it was like, William Hickey, I thought you were all about family. Well, he makes his point though. He does. Yeah. You're, you're, I'm your family. You made a pledge. You remember that scene at the beginning where mm. you got to see me in just not old age makeup for that one moment, really? Yeah. Because we also had the scene where I think it was when, I said Robert Deere again, Jack Nicholson was at the train station and his dad was telling him like, oh yeah, yeah, he's not going to kill you. It's all, it's all good. It's like, oh, yeah. wow, he, I he, wasn't he, expecting that. He genuinely meant it. Yeah. He genuinely loves me. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yay. He wants to pass over the family business to, to me. Okay. The guy yep, who kind of helped make his granddaughter disgraced. Okay. Awesome. Yay. <laughs> I, 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 Willie Mickey, we could do a whole hour long to, to make this go longer than the core episode discussion on his performance. He, he, he really makes what could be a one note joke character of elderly gangster man who's falling apart he makes it more than that one note could be. He he really is so dynamic, so captivating. Every scene he's in is is practically the best scene. He yeah, he was almost almost as good as Peter Falk in Shark Tale. <laughs> Not as good as Martin Scorsese in Shark Tale. <laughs> well, he wasn't a mobster. He just had mob ties. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But he had the eyebrows. See, that one had Robert De Niro. That one did have and Jack Black. Yeah. And Jack Black as a shark, the titular shark. It's his tale. Mm -hmm. Hence, he's the main character, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, Lenny the Slapper, whatever yeah, his name was. He wasn't like some stupid Will, Will, Will Smith fish. It wasn't like I read a YouTube comment in that video which said, what is this, some kind of suicide fish? <laughs> I still think about that comment a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, what do you want to talk about next what, what's an aspect of the movie that you want to grab onto uh let me just replay it in my head very quickly i almost called him robert de niro again <laughs> jack nicholson had a yellow jacket early on it was his own jacket mm. that was his real life really... jacket angelica houston bought bought it for him and said you should wear this <laughs> it really stood out it caught the eye do you believe him and Angelica Houston were an item at the time of this? So uh, it's very funny that their characters were formerly an item. She she was the one that used to be in a relationship with Jack Nicholson, not the... You'd think if they were a real-life couple, you would cast them as, like, the couple. But mm. no, in this, this, John Houston's like, you may be my... My relative, you may be my blood of my blood, flesh of my flesh, but I'm going to cast you in the role that you you should get an Academy Award for. I mean, let's talk about her, May Rose, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. What did you think of this character? She comes in and out of the movie, but she's pivotal. She helps push certain things forward. Yeah, she really was sidelined for a lot of the film, but every scene she was in really captured the attention. Like, she's the character who's been disowned from the family. You know, you can only come back to Brooklyn for the special occasions. I really liked her first scene at the wedding when she was with the old lady. Mm -hmm. Who was, Who's the old lady again? Is that uh, like her aunt or something? Some relative. Some, yeah. some, she's wearing the black dress. She had a really good voice. She did too. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> and Angelica Houston, May Rose is wearing that black dress with the pink sash mm. over it. Which her father says, you look like a whore. Yeah, she wore But black. in Italian. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in Italian. Cause it's putana something, I think. Uh, yeah, so you were saying you, that, that introduction scene did a, did a wonderful job for you? Yeah, it really established the character. Um, and yeah, it, she's another character similar to, you know, her grandfather. It's like, okay, well, what, what angle is she playing here? Because she is only in the film, like, at occasional points. She and Jack Nicholson clearly had some history. Um, 
She turns on him. She turns on him she while tries to get her father to kill him. Yeah, while also seemingly, you know, trying to help him. Mm-hmm. Very manipulative. Um, yeah, she was really good. How about you, Ryan? She's a bitch. <laughs> She's a fucking <laughs> piece of shit. I love her. <laughs> she was great. I, I I felt bad because I forgot about her until the end of the movie. She she disappears after a certain period of time. And then the end of the movie where Jack Nicholson has killed his wife for the loyalty of the family. And he has to go running back in her arms and she's thrilled to bits. This angelic light comes over her, over Angelica Houston. Huh? But, Angelica light. Um, she was Morticia Adams in the Adams Family movies, in case you wanted to know. Okay. But, uh, and she's in the new John Wick movies, in case you wanted to know. Okay. But uh, she is a character where she played this whole movie was her playing a game of chess to get Jack Nicholson back where she manipulated all of the situations at play here so that her father would try and kill him. And she knows that Jack would do this. And then the family would turn against like that. And it was just one of those reveals at the end where it adds an extra layer of tragedy to the story that uh, Jack is going through, but it makes this character that was uh, one where you wonder why they're here for a large portion yeah. of it makes sense. And you go, oh, okay. They they weren't a character without an agenda. They had an agenda. They had a play to make. They had a goal to fulfill. And they do by the end, even though it's at the disadvantage of um of our protagonist. Yeah. It, so I mean, that was really neat. Because it was, it all came together at the end. I guess it, it was kind of hard for me to think back on her presence throughout the film because of, you know, the reveal then for most of it, it was, as you said, like, Oh yeah, she's around. She appears every now and then. And, uh, she, she, I mean, she wears some amazing outfits throughout the entire film. Her dad hates her, but loves her. <laughs> I love the scene where, well, the sequence where, you know, he's being told, like, you should, you should, you know, bring her back. She's my daughter again. Then next time you see them, they're at the dinner table and there's, like, you know, no affection really (laughs) going on between them. You can't show it. Mm. He was a great character. Did you have any opinions on that one? The the nervous fuck-up mafioso, he should have been in charge, but they pass him over for Jack. (laughs) Tries to get Jack killed. It's okay, he got a thousand of his favorite cigars. He did. That was a that was a great scene. Mm. The 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 whole setting that place on fire didn't succeed because they already left. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and William Hickey's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> just drive off. That was an interesting character. The, 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 he had two sons. One of them was played by Robert Lozier, who's quite a well-known actor. He was in a ton of things. He was in Independence Day. He was in Big. Did you ever watch Big? No, I've always wanted to, though. Gee, he's in the famous scene in Big. You know the scene? The one big, big scene? There is one scene I know from Big, but I don't think it's the big one. Say what it is. Uh, it's Tom Hanks singing. Singing or him playing the keys? Singing. Oh, singing. You don't know the keyboard scene where there's a keyboard, like a piano keys on the ground and he's like tapping them with his feet to play the the music and there's like a whole song and dance number out of that? I don't that's think like so. An icon. That's icon. I, I, I might see it and be like, oh, that's what that's Yeah, from, he's like at a toy yeah. store and it's these panels on the ground. They light up when you touch them and him and Robert Loja do like a little tap dance number across this and, and play a song and it's really great. But um, that's my review of Big. It's good even though... Tom Hanks is playing, I think, like an 11, maybe 12-year-old boy, and he plays it like he's a four-year-old. It's very, very (laughs) strange. Don't understand it, but I still like the movie, even though that character sleeps with a woman. And he sings. And he sings. And (laughs) don't get me started on Big. Big, (laughs) Big's a movie where it ends with him being like, maybe we can be together in a decade. And she's like, are you sure? (laughs) He's like... Okay. Is it a good movie? It's a great movie, <laughs> but it's got some weird 80s-ness to right, it in, that, right. in that degree. Where it's like, like this film. Yay, our main character is a boy in an adult's body and he loses his virginity to like this high-power executive lady. And then it's kind of like a romance and then it's revealed he's a kid. And she's like, ah, 
uh, uh. And then he's like, we'll wait for you. We'll meet back up in a decade. And she's like, yeah. And that's high five. <laughs> high five. Yeah, it's like those teachers who wait for the students to leave school so then they can date them. It's like, no, bad. Oh, oh it's fine in other cultures. But I really like that, 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 um, that mafioso guy, the, the son of William Hickey. He was pedantic. I, I really enjoyed that scene. Angelic Houston's father. Father? You mean? Yeah. And William Hickey's son. One uh, of them, yeah. One of them. Uh, not Robert Lozier. I think he had three, didn't he? <sighs> sure. Italian families are big, everyone. Please leave Unlike us alone. Unlike Polish not... families. Hey, do you yeah. believe that Kathleen Turner's Polish? Uh, well, she said so, so I, I have I have, I have no choice but to believe her, as, as Robert did. Stop As the saying other guy it. said. Stop saying <laughs> it. My parents are getting angry that you're saying Robert De Niro. He's not in this. Okay, would this would Princess Honor work better if it was Sylvester Stallone as Jack Nicholson <laughs> and Jack Nicholson in Oscar? Well, he has as, as snaps. Well, does Sylvester Stallone have a you know mafia background at this point? Eighty five? Maybe not. Maybe. I don't know. I think he had to do Oscar first. Which which Rocky movie introduces the mob? Any? Mm, the fourth movie introduces a robot. That sounds like the mob. Robot mob. But uh, yeah, I liked I liked her her father. I, I, there was that scene where he had to snap back against the 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 lower gangs, the the pimps, the hustlers. Oh the yeah, yeah. And that was played dramatically. That wasn't like a comedy scene. That was a genuine mafia. Like when you guys still had holes in the back of your pants, you know, we were robbing the convenience stores and things like that. That was a good scene. That was a, that was a really good scene. And he dies very abruptly and suddenly, and it wasn't gratuitous at all. It was just came up right behind him, pop, and then down. Yeah, gone. Silence a pistol. No ceremony, no pomposity, and like you said, William Hickey has some minor twinges of sadness about it, but doesn't really seem to. He he would get an ulcer. That kid was stressed out. He mm. got he got old. He got old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you know you're you, you're in a good spot when William Hickey in this film is calling you old. <laughs> you're you're old now. Uh, let's get into the main thrust of the story. Uh, two assassins fall in love. And they then must have to determine where they fall on the loyalty of to each other or to their jobs. Because Kathleen Turner isn't innocent either. Mm. She contemplates killing Jack Nicholson. At least that's played with. Mm. I um, I think one thing I forgot that I just remembered right now was when the film began, and I still didn't know the premise or like the central hook of it. Um, it reminded me of, and I don't know if this existed at the time or if it came later, and I don't even know how legit it is, but uh, have you ever heard of those quizzes, well, not quizzes, but those tests that some uh, police do on people, like the psychopath test? Mm -hmm. They'll like ask a question based on the answer, like, you know, they'll determine, oh, yes, you're, you're a psychopath because you answered this way. It kind of reminded me of one of the questions that's known from one of those tests where it's like... Um, and they were at a wedding, not a funeral, so it was clearly different. But it was like, uh, you are at the funeral of a family member and you meet a woman that you've never seen before. You don't recognize her. No one knows her. And the whole ceremony ends without you getting to talk to her. Um, and then a few weeks later, you murder your sibling why did you murder your sibling? And like the psychopath answer is so that you'll be able to meet that person again. So I was wondering like, okay, is there some sort of dark, sinister thing coming about from this character? So when we did get like the whole thing of like, she calls him out of nowhere, it's like, oh, okay, this, this is different. I guess this is going to be a little bit more wholesome. He did, try, he did try to track her down. He did. He did. He but... had to bribe CCH Pounder in that one scene she was in. There's another actor I love very much, CCH Pounder. She was Peaches. Mm-hmm. That, I forgot about that character. She only appeared in one scene. One scene wonder. <laughs> one scene wonder. Yeah, but so when she just came into his life very plainly, like, oh, yeah, I called you. I, yeah, let's hang out. Um, it did kind of throw me off. And then when we started getting the twists of, uh, twists of like, oh, she's a hit woman, it's like, oh, okay, so there is some sort of darkness going on here. Um, and throughout the whole film, like when we did get, all of the scenes of like, oh, you know, she's having these struggles because of 
you know, the job that they did and the fact that she's lying to Jack Nicholson, I really did believe that they would, you know, end up together because they're very frank to each other about so much. Like, yeah, your uncle put a hit on you and I'm the one that's meant to kill you versus like him being like, oh yeah, I'll look, I'll talk to them for you. I really thought that, yeah, they would end up together. So the tragic ending really kind of got me. Both of them were willing to kill each other. Mm. I really did grow to like their relationship over the course of it. Uh, when she did shoot that woman, just straight up shot her, uh, it was one of those things where uh, now things are real. This mm. is a real moment. Even though Jack Nicholson's killed someone in the movie, we didn't, it was different. And so. I mean, his reaction to that was like, look, you did the right thing. But it was also a surprise that she yeah. just straight up ice this woman and then when they got context later on it's like oh no that was that, that was, was a real bad thing it was a bad move and then and then the mafia guys had to talk to uh the the guy from reservoir dogs mm. and yeah and most of them seem to say like look it was uh i forget the word but like a thought like rational decision at the time but you know it was a police captain's wife it's police captain's wife they can't let those things go nor should they we and, had corrupt police, and now we have angry police. Yeah, we're going to lose money, and that's bad. And um, like I said, the guy, um, Lawrence, uh, I can't remember the last name of the actor, but the guy from Reservoir Dogs, the guy who organizes the heist in Reservoir Dogs, you know the one I'm talking about? The bold guy, old bold guy in Reservoir Dogs? I've seen it once. Was he one of the Mr. Colors? No, he's one assigning them their colors. He's like... And you're going to be Mr. Pink. I don't want to be Mr. Pink. That sounds like Mr. Fag's like, shut the fuck up. You're Mr. Pink. Uh, in my head, I thought Tarantino did that. No, but... he was Mr. Brown. I don't want to be Mr. Brown. That sounds a bit too much like Mr. Shit. You're Mr. Brown because I say you're Mr. Brown. He was also in The Simpsons, if this helps. He was the voice of, uh, I think, the security guard guy when um, Bart got caught shoplifting. And uh, Bart imagines him as the backseat of the car, like it morphs into that. And he's like, yeah, and he puts his cigarette out on like the seatbelt buckle. It's a whole thing. I think I'll have to do the unthinkable and watch Reservoir Dogs again. I thought you were going to say, do the unthinkable and watch that Simpsons episode again. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, um, I liked it. That was a great raising of the stakes. Uh, I also didn't see the police captain's wife thing being an aspect, but it really was great. Especially for something that was like treated comedically, like, oh, this must be the wrong floor, whatever she said. But then when she's killed, it's not treated comedically. It's like, oh, she's gone. Okay, we have to do that. Everyone agrees it's logical, but it does bite her in the ass because it's a reason why the family can turn against her. It's a reason, and it's the reason that they have to because the police aren't going to let this go. She's your wife, but she ain't a part of the family. She's a Polak. She's a Polish girl. And she robbed us. So fuck her. Really, that whole the scene that I was talking about before where William Hickey's finally giving the speech to Jack Nicholson, uh, <laughs> where he lays out like, well, no, we can't let her off because of this, this, this. He really like lays out the whole scope of everything. It's like, oh, geez, yeah, he he's really got... You know, his ass against the wall or whatever that saying is. Back to the fire. Do you, do you want to keep doing it until you get it right? Or are you happy like well, that? I, I don't remember what it was. I think back to the fire is right. Back to the wall. Back to the wall? Back press. Back to the wall that's on the fire. On fire. Back to the future. You know, you, Is that what we're doing next week? Well, it's, it's your choice. Well, it's non-Hollywood <laughs> this time, so no. <laughs> no. So it's not. It's not the Indian version of Back to the Future. <laughs> Is that a thing? Oh, wait, there was... Some... I don't know. There's no. an Indian version of Forrest Gump. There's an Indian version of a lot of things, so that's why I was like... There's a recent Forrest Gump one that everyone hates. My mum uh, liked it, though. Your mum's wrong, apparently. <gasps> was she going to listen to the podcast? Well, My parents are too busy listening. Yours can't listen when mine listen. Those are the rules uh, of Spin Polish. Now I can't present. say anything about your mum. You can't. Don't you make my mum jokes? Well, I'm going to now. I physically can't. She's she's listening. Robert De Niro's ghost is holding your mouth shut. He's like, oh, you can't joke about things in my movie. (laughs) Yeah, Robert De Niro's movie. Robert De Niro's movie, yeah. That's a joke, because he's not in this film. He kills her, though. He kills Kathleen Turner. Robert De Niro does? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Jack Nicholson. That was a... I mean, I expected it to happen, but it was still 
sudden and quick and brutal and matter of fact. And I, I, I really commended the movie on taking a dramatic and serious and tragic ending to all of this. It actually made me wish that the movie was just played straight the whole way through. I could have watched a dr- dramatic version of this story without any of the gags in it. Mm. I think it could have worked and been as compelling. And I, I think that's uh, one of the reasons I hold back saying I love it because it didn't. The comedy didn't elevate it so much where I thought to myself, "Oh, I don't need to see the dramatic version of this." Or even if I did, that'd be like. That would be a neat version of this. This was one where I I, I I sat back going, yeah, I like some of the comedy stuff. William Hickey was great. But for the most part, I, I, I think I could have watched this as a, as a serious presentation of a film noir gangster story. I think that's really what I was feeling when I mentioned, you know, after the fact reading that this is a 1985 black comedy crime film. It's like, black comedy? Like, I don't know that I would pitch it that way. Like, definitely they had funny things... And I think it, would ha- it has enough of those funny things to be able to be called a comedy, but front and center, I, I just doesn't feel right. Uh, Jack Nicholson was doing a silly voice the whole movie. That, that no, no, that wasn't funny. Jack Nicholson. That was William Hickey. No, that's his actual voice. <laughs> uh, Jack Nicholson was doing a silly little accent. You know what? Every time he said "yeah," I did laugh because <laughs> it sounded like you know street, like modern day street kid going like "yeah." There's a direction apparently John Houston would give Jack Nicholson. Before. Remember you're stupid or something. Yeah, rem- remember he's stupid. <laughs> Which great, perfect, like that a lot. Thank you, John Houston. Thank you for giving us this uh, feature film. Uh, do you recommend this? Do you rec- recommend Prissy's Honor? I think I do. Yeah, I mean it. It was an enjoyable film. I think the the drama of it was really great um whenever there was i know we were kind of iffy there about like did this need to be a comedy but when there was comedy it was pretty good i do recommend it i i I think it will be one that will improve on a rewatch if you've not seen it before or if you're not immediately in its rhythm I, i i i i commend it also for having a certain tone and mood to it straight away this wasn't a farcical screwball comedy or a modern of that time, modern wacky blues brothers thing, right? Mm. This was its own thing. It had a throwback feel because this is a classic director playing in a genre wheelhouse they've played in and uh, doing it in a different way. It is peculiar to me that a film that garnered a lot of critical reception and even an Academy award for one of the actors who's gone on to be a legendary actress. I was going to say, rewatch it alone just to reappraise that character. Uh, it's just, it's funny to me that this film has been forgotten in the sands of time. That really films. threw me off when I was reading like all the great reviews and all the nominations. Like, oh, really? Roger Ebert loved it. Yeah, this is a film where, and I, I didn't download it, but when I went onto a torrent site, like there were no results at all. Crazy. Yeah. But uh, sometimes that just happens. Some of these movies just fall through. And <laughs> some don't. Like sometimes movies that aren't the Oscar nominated ones, sometimes the ones that don't get the critical fanfare will be the ones that actually live on more. And I'm not saying that this doesn't deserve to live on more. I think it does. But there are movies that uh, you know at that time would be considered lesser than that have far more of a reach. And I just think that's humorous, especially when you look at these snooty critics, like your Roger Eberts, and they will turn around and be like, oh, yeah, Rizzi's Honor, that's a great film, and blah, blah, that's awesome. And then turn around to a film that has actually lived on and sustained and given more to audiences and pop culture at large, and they will go, eh, it stinks. And Well, yeah, they mistreated Rossellini, so... Yeah, well, yeah, Blue Velvet, great example of you know that. But yeah, Blue Velvet, most people loved, but uh, great film. critics love especially. But you get some of these wonderful comedies that we we hold dear, and you look at them and they got these stinky reviews or just they didn't blow the. Never forget that John Carpenter's The Thing was a financial and critical failure. <laughs> Roger Ebert 
slammed that movie and said it was nothing but uh, like a geek fest, a gore fest. Oh, Ebert did well. <laughs> and and how dare it come out around the same time as E.T., the real film. <laughs> how- E.T. is a seminal and phenomenal film, but like they're completely different things. The Thing arguably is also a masterpiece, but that's just how the cookie crumbles, you know? How dare it come out in the same timeline as 9-11. Oh, Zoolander, Ben Stiller, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that is it. Bartek, what is your movie recommendation for the next episode? I shall preface, we won't be back next week. Bartek and I have some f- stuff happening mm-hmm. in our lives, visiting people, and both work fa- is both back Both family-related things. Family-related yeah. and work and all of this stuff we're having to juggle. So we'll be back in two weeks, hopefully, if everything goes right. Should be, yeah. Two, three weeks, it just depends, but should be back. Uh, Bartek, what are you recommending? So you're picking a non-American-made movie. Correct. Um, So, Ryan, your last pick was a European animated film. Correct. And when you picked a European animated film, I thought in my head, like, damn, I was planning on picking a European animated film too. It feels a bit less special now, but that's the way it goes. Um, I'm still picking it, though. So this is a film that I haven't seen, and I've only heard about it relatively recently. Um, I think it's somewhat well-known online because a certain element of it has been fairly memed. Mm-hmm. Um, but before I knew what it was from, I thought, like, oh, okay, it's something that a meme came from. But then when I heard what it was, I'm like, ooh, that actually does sound interesting. So this is a 1988 Soviet animated film uh, of Treasure Island. Oh, okay. And we can find this easily enough? It's on YouTube in pretty good quality. And like over Fantastic. a million views, yeah. So so, so, just lay it out for everybody. Just, just tell us all again. Do we have a year for this? 1988. 1988. Okay. And it's Soviet. So it's Russian? Or is it just Soviet? Uh, it's Soviet, but I, I think the language is Russian. I, well, I want to know because we've done the Soviet movie before that was not Russian. It was Czech with Lemonade Joe. Well, I don't think we thought that was Soviet. No, Lemonade Joe was made under the Soviet Union. Oh, yes, it was. Yes, That's a Soviet movie. Right, yes. I'm just specifying, like, I don't know if this is Russian. So, like, when you say Soviet, most people associate Russia. I'm pretty sure it's Russian. Okay. Cool. We'll so find out. We'll put this all in the description. Like Bartek said, apparently there's a copy of this on YouTube. So I don't know the meme. So I'll be keen to, to see this. I actually don't know too much about this. So maybe it's one of those where once I get the visual, like once I see a character or, or some specific animation style, I'll be like, oh, this. It might be, yeah. Like I said, it, apparently from last year, even though this is a 1988 film, it became somewhat mean, but one specific element from it. All I can think of. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know if this is it, but when Krusty, the clown on The Simpsons. <laughs> oh, the, the worker in Parasite? <laughs> yeah. When he would lay the itchy and scratchy, was it itchy and scratchy or whatever it was? No, they had like some different animation thing. And he was yeah. like, what the hell is that? And a heck hock. I love that so much. I, I remember I downloaded a video upload of that just so I could watch it anytime. That, about, do you still have it? I'd have to check, maybe. Keep us posted. Next next episode in a couple of weeks, you have, you have to... <laughs> Should I upload it onto our YouTube channel as one of the nuggets? <laughs> Just the Simpsons clip of Worker and Parasite? No, no, the Disney will get us. Maybe. Maybe they, they call they, it like they will. Lost Simpsons or something, maybe. Uh, thank you all so much. You can follow us on your social medias of Facebook and Twitter under Spit and Polish Presents. You can email us with your questions, queries, thoughts, concerns and film recommendations on those social medias as well as our email address which is spitandpolished at gmail.com Robert De Niro, thank you for listening. Robert Mom De Niro, and Dad, thank you for listening. You are great in this film. And Shark Tale, actually. Fantastic in Shark Tale. No, so that was Jack Nicholson. That was Jack oh. Nicholson.